Welcome into another episode of the Angel Energy Podcast, and this is a very exciting episode for our first episode of the new year of 2024. I have my good friend and fellow journalist, Chelsea Jones. She is the weekend anchor and she's a weekday reporter at CBS in Miami. We worked together when she worked at the same station as me in Providence. And Chelsea and I were fast friends. As we say, kindred spirits, you'll hear in this episode. We talk about the industry, the realities of it, her journey into this career path, what she thinks her purpose is, why she got into it, what inspired her to get into it, what keeps her in it to this day, the good, the bad, the ugly. This is a very real conversation. It didn't even feel like an interview. There were actually points in this conversation where we just went on a tangent and started talking about other things and then had to get back focused onto the actual interview. One of the big things that Chelsea and I have always bonded over is our faith and our connection to spirituality and the law of attraction and all of those things, particularly God and God's plan and having faith through adversities and unknown periods. Without further ado, let's get into the episode with Chelsea. Chelsea, thank you so much for... (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Weekend anchor. That's your title now, right? Weekend anchor, weekday reporter at CBS Miami. Yeah. So what's it like being in a big market? What's the reality of it? It's just like being in a small market. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully don't get fired for that. But no, I just mean (laughs) that it's the same. Like you're working really hard. You think, and that's a conversation I've been having a lot with people. It's like you get to this level and you think that maybe there will be more resources and there are but you know it's the same grind you're still hustling and going out and beating the streets trying to make sources you know trying to get exclusive elements for your reporting and being competitive with other stations but it's like not super glamorous the only thing that's great about what I'm doing is you know on the weekends now I have a producer Whereas in my first market, it was me. I was doing everything. But now I have like several producers, which is pretty cool. But you know, it comes with the same challenges, you know, figuring out workflow and personalities and meshing together. We finally have our groove, you know, mm-hmm. we've gone through a lot of changes in management at my station. So that also presents its challenges. But again, this is something that would totally happen in your first market too. So it's like controlled chaos, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, it's a good point because I feel like people always think like once I get there, you know, whether that be like a top market or a network or something, and the more you talk to people and like obviously you're in it right now, but even I've talked to people who have been at networks and they're like, it's similar. Like you still have a lot of the same stuff. Like the product is better and you have more resources, but like there's still a lot of the same chaos, like you're saying. Yeah, so it's a grind. And I was talking to someone in the sports world. I feel like y'all sports girlies and me are like kindred spirits. I don't know why, but (laughs) I was was talking to a sports girly at my station and, you know, similar to what we're saying, she thought at this point she would have a producer, which Mm -hmm. on the sports show they do. And our station does have like, I think the biggest department in our market. So we have more resources. They have an EP and stuff like that, but I mean, even at my station, both in sports and out, they're asking people to MMJ. And my God, you get to a Miami, so you don't have to, but it's very much happening and it's part of the business. I think, you know, just trying to figure out how to cut costs, but also be efficient. Um, But I mean, it's the same burnout because you're doing the same thing. I mean, imagine my station tries to limit, like you're not on necessarily like a day turn. It does happen when you're MMJing, but they try to be like, okay, you set up your store, you shoot it, and then you get a day to do it. So that's cool. That's not yeah. what you were doing in your first market, obviously. You were right. grinding for multiple deadlines. But still, you get to this point and you are thinking you're going to be paired with a photographer all the time, you know, and, and maybe a lot more live shots and things like that. And the demand is going to be greater in that respect. But some of those like small market things are like coming into these big markets. And I think that's a little disappointing. Um, but it just seems like the way that the business is going. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I feel like I agree with you that that's part of like the trying to get there is you feel like, okay, I'm going to grind. And it almost like validates the grind that you do when you first start, because you know that 
if you just work hard and you grind through these first couple markets, then you're going to get somewhere where, you know, you get to just be a reporter. You get to focus on what you're saying and doing your reporting and what your words are and your presentation on air rather than having to worry about like also being a photographer because it really is, they're, they're different skill sets, you yeah. know? And it's and, a lot to balance because something yeah. is going to be missed, whether it's like you're not getting all the shots you need because you're focused on the questions or you forget to ask a good question because you're right. like, dang, I need to get this, this and that. Um, and then just also like driving from place to place and like the efficiency part of it. Like it's just yeah. so much in the brain. And that's why I value the pair of like reporter and photographer because you just, it's like a balance, but also they see things that you don't. Mm -hmm. or they hear things that you don't, or you see something right. and it all contributes to a good piece. So I value that. And it's really sad to me that the business is kind of like lo losing that. Like even just like the 80s style news where we like had less deadlines. Now you have yeah. streaming, my God. <laughs> so yeah, that's a lot. Different. It is a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, what are we working for at this point? I don't know like if, how you feel about it, but to your point about we always are grinding to justify it. You know what I mean? Like once I get where is it going right. to pay off? And I think that's something that I and others that I've spoken with in the business are trying to figure out. It's like, at what point yeah. are you happy to pull into the parking lot of your news station? <laughs> I don't know. No, it's so true. And the biggest thing when we say these things is it's not that we don't want to work hard because we mm -hmm. still are working hard to get stories, but it's like, we want to be able to focus our attention on building relationships with getting stories, really fleshing out stories, you know, writing things and actually taking time to really put our best efforts towards that rather than do a million things where the story is kind of like half-assed. And also just like what you said, the collaboration aspect where like, if you're run rushing around from one thing to the next, you're going to miss things. Like yeah. you're, you can't be in a million places at once. So when you have the photographer element and the reporter, then you can really cover everything and they pick up where maybe you miss something, they can kind of chime in. And it's just always better to have two people. Yeah. And it's the finesse and it is that honing of the skill. And yeah. it's definitely, and I definitely want to emphasize that it's not that you don't want to work hard or that you're trying right. to be lazy. It really is just like owning the craft and right. honing it, you know, so that you are a great storyteller. You know, it's really hard to storytell mm -hmm. in your time constraints, depending mm -hmm. on the subject matter, trying to be concise, but also have this gravitas about your writing is not easy. And right. I think when you're focused on so many other things, that becomes challenging. And also there are people out there that love to shoot. Photographers that I also talk to that are kind of worried about what their job looks like in five years. Right. You know, because they're moving the MMJs in or if a photographer leaves, they're not replacing them potentially. So it's just, it's challenging in that way. And I think everybody wants to work hard. People want to be employed and they want to do the things that they love. So, you know, you get into the business knowing that you're going to MMJ at this point, like, you know that, but mm -hmm. again, you're like working to be that reporter. That's solid. The one that can like, for example, chase down a politician. If you're trying to hold them accountable, if you have to catch them at the end of a city council meeting, you can do that as an MMJ, but like you might be falling over a tripod. Right. You know? No, yeah, you can't. You you really can't. It's hard. And then you introduce the phones. And that's another thing that I don't love. And I, I know this is bad to say, but I mean, we are shooting on our phones, which is great because I do think sometimes you can get that moment. Like if you're yeah. chasing someone or I don't know, maybe things are happening right then and you need to shoot it. I think the phones work well in that sense. But I mean our station we're like shooting like selfie teases and I know you know in my last market um there was a station doing the same thing it's like the social media type of vibe and yeah. I don't think that viewers want to see that like on tv I yeah. think in the digital space like trying those things totally. and being creative a hundred percent but I feel like we're putting things on tv that like YouTube vloggers <laughs> yeah man like yeah. This, like it's tiktok or something and i love me yeah. some tiktok Thanks. but i don't know if that's where the audience is like the people that are watching the news i don't think are are tiktok communities i don't know but that's just my yeah. opinion i'm not speaking for my station or anything like that these are just like my thoughts that i constantly think about of course for one i wish that 
more people up high valued the whole reporter, photographer, the individual roles, the coming together, rather than just churning out as much content as possible, the quality just will always suffer. Something I'm super excited about is my general manager okay. because she's a former news director. She comes from a station that was winning. So I feel like she knows what it takes to win because that's what our station wants to do. Um, we are like, I think near the bottom in our ratings here. And again, with all the turnover and, you know, just putting the pieces in place, we're trying to like hit our stride. And I think it's so valuable when you have a leader that knows what it takes to be in the news department, when you're trying to get things on TV, when you're trying to win breaking news and weather and also enterprise and make that good and make the station look good. Because a lot of times it suits upstairs. And yeah. right now it's about the bottom line. Like, right. no, I can't pay you any more money. No, I can't send you on this trip nice to have that kind of experience upstairs. So I'm really excited about what that will mean for us. And you just mentioned something that I want to jump off of, like near the bottom of rating. So I think a lot of people don't have any idea about stuff like that. So there's, you know, what, four, four TV stations usually in every market for all the major networks. Sometimes you have independent stations. The viewership is rated based on who gets the most viewers, you know, the most popular station, the best station in the market, as we say, right. um, there's obviously value being at the best station, but sometimes when you're at one of the stations, that's kind of trying to climb up, you get a little bit more like agency on what you're doing and, and you mm -hmm. have more opportunity. So how do you feel about that? Cause you came from in Providence. I mean, I don't know where, where exactly we are, but we're neck and neck with the best station in the market. Like totally. we, where now, if you're on the lower end, what do you see as the difference? Yeah. And I must say, <laughs> I think Channel 12 in Providence had the best product in that market. Oh, same, same. <laughs> but I, I, I don't want to like spread fake news because I don't, I don't have the ratings in right. front of me, but I know like certain day parts, we definitely won and whatever. Yeah. And that's also my opinion. It's just my opinion that I feel like we have the best oh, yeah. product in Providence. Okay. I still do. <laughs> Period. Um, and I miss that. Like T12. I think they are such a resource at that station mm -hmm. and you know even the way that we develop some of like the news like um like when you have a big breaking news story then you have this analyze or analysis rather um with t12 and it's just right. so good that's that yeah. kind of crop is so good yeah um anyways so i started at the second place station in my first market it was a grind because i feel like at that point we were just chasing the leader you know oh they're there gotta go I hate that. However, I do want to touch on the opportunity. In my first market, there was opportunity. That's why I'm an anchor now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like uh, it was a moving of the pieces and it was like last man standing, you're it. And then I got the weekend anchor job and that gave me a chance to hone the anchor craft and get the reps. And that got me the job in Providence, you know? Mm -hmm. And I came to Miami as a reporter Monday through Friday. And I was like, People don't know this unless you're like a close friend, but I struggled with this decision. I was super picky on where I was going to go and I had options, but I, I know my agent was pissed because I was like, no, not that, not that, not that, not that. I was super specific, but I felt like this was a job I needed to take. Um, I love the team that interviewed me, my news director, assistant news director, GM, they're all gone now. <laughs> so that comes with its own like, being scared of what's next yeah but I'm now the weekend anchor I've only been here a year I think I got promoted about four months into it and that is sometimes what happens when you're at a station that's not the best rated station I don't have the facts on where we are you know where we fluctuate between but there's a dominant station that's like a legacy which means they've been around forever and you know they have the market viewership. I think there's pros and cons because you work at that station, but it's like, you have to be to a certain level. If you miss something, you might be in trouble for it. Whereas at my station, you're not going to be held to that kind of regard. Like, yeah, you want to get all of the elements and maybe even something more than the other stations have, but it's not so cutthroat. You can learn <laughs> still. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I think that sometimes you think once you get to a certain level, there is no room to like not know what you're doing or yeah. to 
you know, you just have to be on all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm grateful to be at my station because it has presented me opportunity and I do fill in for the main anchors and like I can see at the other stations, it's really hard for reporters to get on the desk if that's something you want to do because mm-hmm. they have so many institutions and people that have been there forever. And like when those positions come up or open, they're like few and far between. Right. So, I mean, there is definitely benefits to being at a station that maybe isn't winning in the ratings, but at the end of the day, we all want to win. So that's right. the goal. <laughs> right. Eventually. <laughs> but yeah. it's all part of the process. Um, so you mentioned, and I know this about, you know, the decision to go to Miami and take the job that you have now. And obviously it has grown in that position, but you talked about, you know, making that decision and how it's difficult and things like that. So I want to go through your mindset. Cause I think some people, you know, when they're looking for a new job and especially in this business, when you have contracts and you have to make a decision whether to either leave or you're strapped into two to three more years at a place that you're at, if you don't leave and you don't have something lined up, it can be scary. A lot of people leave without jobs, which is what you did, right? Yes, it is. And it's so funny because I'm like, oh God, like thinking about that time makes me ill. It quite literally (laughs) makes me ill. Um, cause I was never that girl. I'm definitely the one that's like, you need to have your ducks in a row and, uh, and right. a plan. And right. what people don't know is that when I left, it's not that like Providence necessarily kicked me out. They wanted me to stay and I almost stayed, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I think you get to a point in your life where you know your worth and you know that you deserve better, you know? And I'll leave that at that. Um, but it was a hard decision. So when I left Providence, I did not have a job lined up. I was still interviewing and I had been interviewing for a long time. Like like over six months. Yeah. Yeah. I think my first interview was in January. My contract was up in September. So that just gives you perspective of how long I had been doing it. And I had offers, including from Channel 12. But it's like, you just know when you have to go so you can grow. And I think staying in Providence would have been... I don't want to say cushy because nothing is cushy and I'm a self-starter and I feel like I would have challenged myself to like level up in some way staying there but sometimes you need to go so that you can be forced to grow and challenge yourself in a new place I think people underestimate how hard it is to like uproot your entire life over and over again like we do in journalism my best friend calls it's like you're on a player contract like sports and I'm like yeah I guess so yeah because until we're not making millions okay I wish I wish (laughs) (laughs) but yeah in like two years you could be traded you know or you get a one-year player option I agree because I did a whole podcast episode I did the same thing on leaving even without a job because you knew that it was time I had an opportunity to stay too before I left and then came back, but I came back in a bigger role and I wouldn't have done that. That's, I think, something that is so underestimated in this business too. We don't recognize our worth. Now, yes, everybody is disposable. I think if you die tomorrow, there will be somebody to sit in your seat the next day. Duh, that's life. That's the business. But sometimes when you have a special person, someone that you know, brings great qualities and work ethic and a little bit of sauce to the table, you know, you can't just replace that with anything. You know what I mean? And I think our business is getting younger and younger and people are going to even Providence, like right out of college. That's insane. Mm -hmm. You know, five, 10 years ago, that would never happen. And five, 10 years ago, I wouldn't be in Miami either. I think it's like pros and cons to that as well. Like how fast you can climb, but knowing your worth is real. And that's what got you to your sports director position, you know, and that's how I got here in Miami, even though it was like, not what I wanted to do. Uh, But honestly, it was a God thing for me. I don't know if we get religious on here. Yeah, we get, we get deep. Go ahead. Okay. Go off. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was like praying to God. What I was asking for was an anchor reporter position. The final two jobs I was deciding between was a reporter job here in Miami and a main anchor job in another market it was like a mid-size but it was a main anchor which is like kind of like the top of where you would want to go if you right. were an anchor right. at a local tv station and that was closer to home that's all I wanted I wanted to be closer to my family because you know in this business we don't a lot of the times we miss holidays mm-hmm. or birthdays and baby showers and all the things 
So I was going to pick that job. I was like, oh, it's the money I want. It's the job I want. And then I kept thinking, I'm like, I'm going to get bored. You know, I'm going to get bored with this job. I'm not ready to just sit on a desk. Yeah. That sounds so crazy. But that's where I was at. And I had a dream. Again, I've been praying to God so much. And and this is going to sound so dumb to some people. But to me, I was like, ew, are you telling me to go to Miami? I was like dreaming of beaches, of a beach. It was me on a beach. And I was like, there's no beach in this other market. It was like an inland place. And I was like, you need to confirm that that's what what you're saying to me. But in that moment, when I woke up, I was like, he wants me to go to Miami. Did you even Uh, have the Miami offer yet at this point? I think I did. And that's another thing. I had that offer for a while. I was just like sitting on it, sitting on it. (laughs) And then what's so funny. And I think I definitely had the offer because then Miami thought I turned the job down. And the assistant news director kind of freaked and reached out to me and my agent like, we heard Chelsea didn't, you know, take the offer. What is it? Does she want more money? And that was the confirmation like, okay, I got it. Like and they I got wanted more- you. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that's real too. Like you have to go places that they value you and they want you there because that also is going to open up doors for opportunity. If I'm just another number, just another reporter and you don't care, I'm not coming. You're right. And, and like you said before, you can't always just replace somebody with someone else had this conversation because sometimes, you know, when you're missing things and you're working on the holidays and you're working, you know, all these hours and things, you start to think, you know, is this worth it? I'm not saving lives by doing this job. And maybe in news, you feel like a little bit different because you, some of the information that you're putting out there is saving people's lives. Sometimes in sports, like as much as I love sports, I'm like, I'm not saving lives by reading the highlights at the end of the night. You know what I mean? And my aunt, who's like my North star person. Like she just always has the best pieces of advice. And she was like, think about the person that's like in the old folks home that you are the only person they see that day. They love the Red Sox and like you run their highlights that they get to see every night and they don't, you know, they don't have any family or they don't have any visitors or whatever it is, you know, and you're the person that they see and that they look forward to seeing every night. So you may not think you're saving lives, but maybe you are. It's so so true. And if they love you, like, oh, where's Chelsea? Now they just replaced her with somebody else. It's like their friend that you've then taken away, you know? So there is something to be said about it's not just a number. It's somebody that these people, like we always say, welcoming into their homes, Mm -hmm. you know, these people see you every day. You're like their friend. Yeah. And that was the hardest part about leaving Providence Mm -hmm. because Providence was a time in my life. It was hard to begin with. Mm -hmm. Because it was like the pandemic when I moved there. So everything was closed, like nothing was happening. And in Providence, it gets dark at like 3.30, okay, maybe four o'clock in the winter. It's so awful. And so I was just so sad. But then I don't know when it changed, but like at some point it clicked and I like liked my life outside of work. You know what I mean? Like I had a good little friend group and- I love the restaurants and it was just a cute little town, you know? So I had that community and the viewers were so nice, like a little creepy. There was this one guy that delivered flour to the station. I don't know if you remember that in his flip-flops. And I'm like, um, that's creepy. But, you know, letters that I would get and the yeah. emails and just the love from the people there. It was They insane. loved you. They still do. Yeah. (laughs) They still do. And here's how I know they are like my Facebook squad. Okay. It's everyone from Providence. So shout out to Providence because I love you guys quite literally. And that's what made it so hard to leave too, because it's like, you don't get that all the time. And it makes you want to work harder because you're like working for these people. They are looking for you. They're checking your social media. They want to know what's going on from you. There's actual faces of people. Like it's not just, I'm talking to a camera. You feel like you're actually talking to people. Yeah, I'm talking to Bob Lancey and his wife, Marianne, because those are my people, okay? They are still, I love them. I don't even, I met Bob once, but like on social media, he checks in, he comments on everything. So it was hard. And then it was hard, you know, at the end of Providence, because when I decided not to stay, they took me out of my role. Yeah, And like borderline demoted me. And I think that also played into just the dark time that was, what was that, a year ago? 
almost two years. Yeah, about a year and some change ago. Yeah, a year and a couple months. Yeah, this business is so fickle sometimes. And it's that easy. Like, you're that replaceable sometimes. You know, it's like, okay, you don't want to say, great, we're going to move somebody else in. And you can fill this hole. Yeah. Okay. And they try to paint it like it's like so revolutionary. No, this is great. Why? Why is it great? The position that I've been doing for two years, I'm now I'm like kicked off. And then so many people were reaching out to me and the station, like what's going on. And I don't even think I got to say goodbye. So it was like a shitty time. <laughs> it was yeah. such a shitty time. And that's the dark part of this business too. At any point, things can change. Right. And sometimes by no, no fault of your own. I hate that. I really hate that. And I feel like that's why it's important to have things outside of the job, like mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, your, your own life outside of the job or just viewing yourself. Cause so many times we can get caught up in like our identity being the weekend anchor on CBS Miami, like the sports director mm-hmm. at channel 12, you can get so caught up in that being your identity. And if it's taken away or like, even just being a news person, being a sports <laughs> anchor, like regardless of where you're at. And at the end of the day, I mean, things could change tomorrow and we're not on TV anymore, like mm-hmm. ever again, that could happen. Anything like that could happen. And it's important to like, not tie yourself and your identity to your job and your career. How would you say you do that? How would you say you stay true to yourself outside of just the job? It's actually something that I really had to work on. And it's something that I'm working on actively in Miami. It was one of those things, like when I stepped away for those two months that it's like, you can't do the news thing the way you've been doing it. News can't be your life. And it was taking work calls when you're off, answering emails. And I still do that to an extent. Like when I'm off, I check the hell out because you have to. I do things on my off days, whether it's literally vegging out on the couch, binging a show. I've gotten so comfortable with having nothing to do. And it's been so good for me. Like seriously, like I don't always have to like have the calendar booked up. I work out now. Like I used to work out pretty often, but now it's like a part of my Chelsea time. It's like, you at least got to give yourself one hour. My minimum is three times a week. If I go more fantastic, but (laughs) that's like the baseline, you know, going out to dinner with myself, you know, not with other people. Yeah. I love doing that. Yeah. So I first started doing that when I was in LA, I remember, so my cousin, she is an only child and she, I always looked up to her because she could make friends like that. She just always had to be social because she'd go on like family cruises and like, she's the only kid in her family. So she'd go to like the teen club and like meet people and like have all these friends. And she would, you know, make friends really easily at school and stuff because she knew that in order to have friends, like she didn't have built-in friends at home. She had to go make them. And she's someone that just always like puts herself out there. So I remember I was in LA and I like hadn't made my friend group yet. It was early on. Mm -hmm. I had like some friends, but I wasn't hanging out with them all the time. And she was like, oh, I just like went out by myself last night and like got a drink at the bar and just like started talking to the people next to me. And I was like, huh, I should do that. Just because you want to do something, you don't need to rely on other people to also want to do it. You can just go do it for yourself. Enjoy your own personal time doing what you like. Yeah. And I think that's just so important. I'm a nail girl, always have been. So, I mean, sometimes it feels like a chore, but how I feel after is like the baddest bitch on the planet. So I'm going to go do whatever. If I want to go to Trader Joe's and pick up my favorite pasta, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Movies. Oh my God. Like going to movies. Oh my goodness. I love it. I saw Little Mermaid (laughs) by myself and had the whole theater to myself. It's like 3 p.m. on a Thursday. It was magical. So I think (laughs) it's like literally the time that I've had with myself that has helped me to balance out and then go back to work a little bit refreshed and charged Mm -hmm. up. It's like, great. I gave myself some Chelsea time. And I also do it on the days I work too, because you need that time before work. That's been important to me as well. Because sometimes if you're like waking up and then going to work, that's it. That just like drains the hell out of me. It yeah. does not, it's not good for me. And I figured that out. So I've really poured into my personal life here. And that was the whole goal. I was like, you need to have a social life. And that doesn't just mean with friends. It literally means my time with Chelsea too. Yeah. And I think that's a hard thing that a lot of us 
feel. And I know I've, I struggled it with this. I still do knowing that you might not, because the industry is so you move around every couple of years, like we said, to be present and make a life for yourself in a place that, you know, is probably not where you're going to be forever. How do you separate that? Like, have you found a way that you've been able to be present, even though, you know, you might not be in that city forever? Yes and no. I think yes in that. So I say yes to a lot of things. When I first start anywhere, it's like, you want me to MC your event? Fine. If you want me to come to this? Yes. I'm going to like go out and meet these people so they can get to know me. Um, and I start to build a community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really good to me as well. But then sometimes dating, that's the big one. I'm not really trying to invest in I'm not doing that. Like uh, I'd rather be on the couch than go out and waste time with some man I don't even know. And yeah. I don't want to get to know. I hate yeah. the apps. Um, they've never worked for me. And I just also feel like it might also not be working because I have a lot of work to do on myself still, you know, mm-hmm. loving myself and being comfortable in my own company. And it is literally such a hard thing to do. It takes time. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, sometimes that you're not going to be somewhere forever, I'll be here in Miami for a while con- yeah. contractually, but it's just like not my focus, but that is probably the hardest thing to do when you're yeah. bouncing around. And some people do it better than others, but that's not been something that I've been good at at all. But that kind of sucks. I don't show up in that way. Makes you shut off a little bit. Like you don't want to really invest in like, cause then it makes it harder to leave. There's a lot of things, but it, it's all, it's all kind of like self-sabotage, I think. Fully. And what I was going to say is like, you have to live your life to the fullest. And like something my friend told me when I was dating this guy, my first market was like, you should date him. It could be the best five months of your life. And you know, it was a great five months and then it bled into like a whole bunch of other stuff and combusted, but it doesn't matter. It's an experience that I needed and I did it. And I think that's what we have to do. Take the risk and really like lean into the discomfort, even if we know this is not forever because who knows somebody might come with us or maybe, you know, our whole experience changes where we are. And then maybe we are like, okay, I could stay here a little bit. I feel that because like my last five, six months in Palm Springs, which was my first market, I was similar. Like I actually let myself have a life and like have relationships and things like that. And as much as it was hard to leave and as happy as I was, and as much as I didn't want to leave once it was time to leave, I don't regret that. I don't regret, you know, allowing myself to enjoy it. Because now I have all these like great memories of that place, you know, and which I wouldn't have had if I didn't allow that for myself. So I want to talk more about your advice, that time in your career when you didn't know what was going to be the future, you were being selective, which I feel like in the beginning of careers, we're told not to be selective, right? Like just take wherever you can get on air, wherever is the best opportunity, But at a certain point, you need to, like you said, know your worth, know your value. You have to go where you feel valued, but also where you feel like you can get value out of where you're going, Mm -hmm. move your career in the direction that you want to go. So for someone that is in that situation that knows that they want to move their career forward, maybe they have a contract coming up, maybe they work in any industry, but just know that they want something new and different and better for them. What would your advice be in that period of uncertainty? Well, first, nothing was built in a day. Not one damn thing. You have to have balance, really. You have to know that sometimes you're just going somewhere to like fill in the gap for the moment because I can go here and I could get my anchor experience. Like if you're a reporter and you've never been an official anchor station and you know that's the path you want to go, Maybe you do have to take a job at a smaller market than what you think you deserve to be at and go get your reps. And I promise you, sometimes those smaller markets are one paying more and you're, you know, you get the next big news story. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we all forget sometimes as messed up as this world is, that mid-sized market could be where the next mass shooting happens. And then you got to show up and show out, you know? So it's like, don't think you're better than anything and just remain humble too. Because I mean, like we've talked about at any point, this can be taken away from you for whatever reason, whether something happens in your personal life or professionally, just knowing that everything isn't final. And sometimes it's literally just a step into the right direction. 
And also I want to like speak to the people that are just jumping in the business. I think you shouldn't be that picky in your first job. I remember applying to literally 77 jobs. I still have the spreadsheet color coordinated uh, for all the jobs I applied to, how many times I interviewed or excuse me, sent emails to the news director. I mean, I was like hungry and desperate really. And I got a job going to NABJ. So that's another piece of advice. One, network your ass off because yeah. a lot of the times it's who you know. And totally. that also gets you to your, you know, next place. So a lot of the time it does not matter if you're like the best reporter out there. It's like, you know, this person and they believe in you. So I think you just have to realize that everything isn't final. It's not your final destination. Sometimes it's literally a step in the right direction and you yeah. can't be too good for something period. Well, and it's a good point, like who, you know, because I mean, you think about when there's one job application, there are hundreds of people applying and there are a lot of times multiple really good candidates. So mm -hmm. what's going to make one person stand out when a news director or, you know, anyone in charge has to make a decision. It's going to be the person that they hear about from somebody that they trust or that name is being sent to them multiple times. Like it just, will elevate you to the top of the pile, you know? So that's great, great advice. And like we said, we have no idea where like the future of the industry is going. We could all be doing YouTube newscasts in, you know, five years, who knows? But I think it's important to just kind of go with the flow and go where makes you feel like happy and purposeful. Like you can always change. You can always, you know, be in this industry for five years and then change and go work for a company and create content for them. There's so many transferable skills if you realize that this isn't for you, you know? A hundred percent. And I just think that there's just a lot, you have to sacrifice in some way. That first job, oh my God, your first job, we're like, miles and miles away I was 16 hours but you were like two days away from your home yeah state that was a sacrifice literally <laughs> two flights that's insane yeah. literally yeah. insane but that was like the sacrifice but again that was good for me professionally as well as it was for you and then we both got to go to Providence as our second market which was closer to home for both of us and we had good positions we got weekend anchor jobs and then becomes third choice, right? That's when we got to be a little bit more picky. We got to walk away and really assess what we wanted in our next job. You elevated and got promoted to a director position. Right. I went another, that's another thing, sacrifice far away from my family to come to Miami, which on paper, everybody's like, oh my God, it's Miami. And people have real big misconceptions about Miami. What are those? Just that it's like so fun and it's like partying all the time. Yes, that's part of it, but I think there's a real world that people have no idea exists yeah. when they think of Miami. It's like, no, there are real hardworking people, you know, that go to work every day and they're not only doing OnlyFans or, <laughs> I'm, and I'm being so for real because right. my nail lady tells me all the time she has a lot of like clientele okay. um, that do that. So, I mean, yeah. hey. People are hustling and getting their money, but there are literally normal people living normal lives that are still living paycheck to paycheck in Miami. I just thought of this. I was listening to a podcast and I know we've gotten like spiritual on here. It goes on to like you saying about sacrifice. It was Tim Tebow, who is the quarterback uh, in the NFL. He's obviously, he's a Christian, very open about that. He was saying that the word passion literally means sacrifice, like the passion of the Christ, you know, not to get like so, so deep, but if you're passionate about something, it means you're going to have to sacrifice for that thing. And I think that that's so true about achieving anything. And, you know, you could live a safe life, a life where you don't sacrifice and everything's easy. And, you know, you have the white picket fence and you, you know, you go home every Christmas and, you know, you have three children and they go to school and you're living in your hometown and you go on double dates with your friends from college and high school. And, you know, you go to the same restaurant every Friday night, you could totally live that life. And for some people that is joy, that is happiness, but for other people, that's not what makes them happy. And if there's something else that maybe requires sacrifice, but it it's something that you're passionate about that you feel like will also be purposeful for you, then it's worth it. But just to remember that it's normal. That you have to sacrifice. I think some people feel like, oh, if I have to sacrifice, this must be a block. I must like not be on the right path where sacrifice is part of it. 
Oh my God, that is so good. <laughs> that is so good. Shout out to Tim Zemo. <laughs> Literally, that is so, oh my God, I love that. And you know, it makes me so sad because I think it's a battle and a conflict that I have in my mind. I've had in my mind the entire six years that I've been in this business because for me, a lot of people around me are in great relationships. My best friend is having a freaking child. And I could not be more excited. One of my other best friends got married. Then she got pregnant. It wasn't part of her plans, but they're like the picture, picture perfect family. Yeah. And I've been to so many weddings, I feel like in the last two years. And it's like, oh my God, like I want these things too, but it is so hard. And like, at what cost? Like, when am I ever going to get that? And I think that some of what I wanted, and I've talked to you about this, has changed. Like I've always wanted it all. The husband, the family, and the career. But I've realized more recently, like in the last literal week, <laughs> that <laughs> my new career, year, new Chelsea. <laughs> no, it's literally new year, like same Chelsea, because I've always been the career driven girl. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you're surrounded by all of those things, like where you have it all and all the people at home get to hang out and they have such stronger bonds with each other because they're seeing each other and they can do everything together and you're on the outside looking in you miss that you long for it. you're like dang mm -hmm. like I want nothing more than to be home I literally just said this to my mom today I was like I need to come home but like do I really like no I think it's all literally creating a life that I want and know that I'm still young I think we have so much pressure especially they put that biological clock on us oh please I know Kourtney Kardashian has money which allowed her to have a pregnancy at her age but the reality is there are people having babies at 38 you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I'm 28. That gives me a whole nother decade if I'm supposed to be on this earth that long. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think what I've been trying to do is retrain my brain to think that I need to have it all together right now. And that is so hard to come to terms with, especially when you just are surrounded by it. So many people are happy in relationships. No, my God, I'm in love. I want to be in love too, but I don't want to be in love with the wrong person. I don't want to be in a relationship just to be in a relationship. And I damn sure don't want a kid with someone that is not is meant right. Me. No. Well, and that's the thing. Like we, we think that because we're not in that life, like if you were in your hometown right now, there's still a very real chance that you wouldn't have found the right person yet. And you maybe would be forcing it because you felt like, oh, well, everybody around me is in a relationship. So I better be because, you know, they're all with their husbands on a Friday night. So I, who am I going to be with? Like, I got to find a, a man, you know, where at least like when you're chasing your career, there's other things that you have to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, if you find someone, you, you find that balance once you find that right person, you know, and you can always find that. But I think that the, the important thing is to always remember that that's still a goal of yours. Cause I think sometimes it's easy to just not prioritize it at all and completely forget about it. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, I haven't been on a date in five years. Like I haven't, you know, met somebody because you're just not making it a priority and you're not trying. And I think it is important to an extent to like, make it a priority to be open to it. Yeah. Because it's easy to close yourself off when you have all these other things going for you because your cup is so full with other things that you feel like there's not room where if that's a goal of yours, you need to make room, you know? Totally. And I think that's what I've been trying to do. But I think what's important is like not forcing that part of my life too. Yeah. Because I think I've been so consumed specifically in the last year with like having a partner. And it's like, who is this girl? That like that is not necessary, but I am open to going on dates with someone that I feel the vibes are right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not one of those girls like free meal Friday. I'm no. not doing that. Same. <laughs> Same. I don't want to waste my time. I'd rather go buy myself a meal than sit with someone I don't want to be with. Fully. Literally. And it's so real. And then there's just so many, I don't know about you, but it's sometimes uncomfortable to go out on dates because there are some people that literally are like, oh, you're on the news. So is I that the only that. reason you, I hate it. So yeah. that's why you want to talk to me? Like, that's why you're sliding in my DMs? Like, get away. That is like, that's such an ick. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't even really want to know who Chelsea the person is. You're like infatuated with the person you see on TV. Weird right, though. right. It's It's very weird. And I think that's one of the most difficult parts is like vetting people who are genuinely just- 
interested or even just like normal people, like who's, who's like just a normal person, you know, when you have this like public figure status, especially in your area, it can be difficult to kind of like sift through. Yeah. But they're also not checking for me because of where I live. You know what I'm saying? There's a very specific, specific type of person (laughs) that I think is being sought for here, which kind of sucks too. Like our job, it can be so superficial yeah. and shallow but I also feel like unfortunately social media has created that as well and makes it really hard to make meaningful connections with people you know you just saying that yes social media because you feel like you have a million friends and you're like wait did I actually talk to anyone today or did I just like watch people's stories and feel like I was with them today okay here is where I was talking about that Chelsea and I went on a little tangent so I had to crop that out because it wasn't really related to the podcast now we're gonna jump back in with the episode. This is probably a good place to jump back in. What inspired you to get into this career in the first place? Oprah. And I hate saying that now because (laughs) I thought I was the only girl that wanted to be like Oprah until I got into this business. And it's like everybody's line. I'm like, ew, I thought I was special. (laughs) But (laughs) I will say she obviously started in traditional news and then ventured off into talk show, which is what I ultimately, when I entered the business, wanted to do have my own talk show. And I think what was so fascinating about and is fascinating about Oprah is that she asks great questions Mm -hmm. and she gets like responses and answers and emotion out of people that most people don't, you know, they feel comfortable with her and they feel at ease. And whether it's like a big controversial entertainment style person and story or just a regular I don't know person at you know from Podunk Louisiana she treats them all the same and you know makes people feel things and I feel like that's what I wanted to do and that's why I got into the business baseline but what I also like is telling people's stories so I mentioned storytelling earlier I think there are so many perspectives and so many different types of people um in this world and I think our job is fascinating because we have access to it we have access to celebrities like you guys like you guys talk to freaking players every week you know um and then we also talk to Miss Norma who is taking care of you know her grandkids as her own and needs help for the holidays I love that and I love getting to meet people and you know helping something change in their life so that's why I do this that's why I got into it and that's why I stay because lord knows we don't make a lot of money starting out yeah and it's like why are we doing this I can't afford my bills right but those are the it's the people and their stories that keep me in it you know and I did this story about phone theft because my phone got stolen at this club Um, And I was really scared to do it because I don't like being in the story and I was unsure how people were going to like perceive it, but I got great feedback from that. Even somebody reaching out to me saying, yo, this happened to me somewhere else. And I was like, I did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It made a difference. Have you ever had a story where you were maybe at a low point in your career where you're like, why the heck am I doing this? I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And then you had a story that completely like reinvigorated you and reminded you of why yeah it was um it's probably still my favorite story to this day the underground railroad story I did in Providence oh my god first of all just I think it's so fascinating that there were still tangible pieces of evidence of the underground railroad you know what I mean and sometimes especially now I feel like it's such a contentious topic about like black history and history and what's taught in school all that crap So I don't know, to find like a literal piece of history and someone with the knowledge to talk to me about it was so cool. Mm -hmm. And then like getting to work with Johnny, which you know, is like one of the best best photographers I've ever worked with in my life and working with him with that collaboration of a reporter photographer duo and watching it come to light the way I wrote that story I mean I'm getting chills thinking about it and just the visions of like that opening shot like oh my god that story just makes me feel so good and people loved that story yeah and I didn't win an award for it which is not (laughs) what we do it for and I still don't care because it was like it was the best story 
I love that story and clearly that makes me happy and I look for those kinds of things um everywhere I go my god that's the story and it didn't necessarily change anything it was literally teaching people and if it didn't win an award but it like mattered to you and I'm sure it mattered to people like if it touched you that much there's got to be plenty of people that it touched that saw it you know what do you feel like your purpose is have you ever thought of that every day every day right now that is what I'm struggling with and it's I tell you this all the time because I love seeing your content and I love that you're doing these podcasts and like your little vlogs on TikTok and I'm just like I love that who knows where this is going but I could see it blowing up for you like if that's what's supposed to happen and I see my best friend she loves skincare and she her boyfriend encouraged her she was like you need to like do this for real now she gets you know people sending her skincare packages and she does reviews and stuff and it's like people practically all my life have been telling me to do a YouTube or like, you know, just creating my own like digital thing. Yeah. And I've been so scared. And you say this often to not just me, but all your viewers uh, on TikTok yeah. is that you should just do it. Like you should just start yeah. whatever it is. I, I have no freaking idea what I'm supposed to be doing. I have no idea. Like I feel in my like spirit, in my heart that I'm supposed to be in this space, like this journalism, newsy space. I don't know if it's forever. And it's funny, my dad was the first person telling me, he's like, oh, you're not going to do that forever. I said, what the hell else am I going to (laughs) do? You know, Mm -hmm. but now I'm thinking, I'm like, I probably won't do it forever. But what is next? I have no idea. I am literally actively trying to figure out. And this year I'm trying to lean into everything. So maybe that it like shows itself to me, like what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. But girl, I have no idea. I have no I idea. see that for you. I see you doing like a YouTube or like even just like as in a starting place to build your audience and then taking it bigger. I feel like more people need to see, which it's tough in local news to do this, mm-hmm. but like the personality of you that in that clip from the $700 million, you know, that version of Chelsea, there's just so much to you that I feel like you can't always get in a newscast as a news anchor because you need to be so like buttoned up for the majority of the time where I could just see you having so much fun and like really building an audience on social media or YouTube or something like that. I see that for you. so funny because... I was told by a former boss that that I needed to remember my audience. That Chelsea that you saw in that clip is the real life me. But to your point, that's not like acceptable for local news. And in that one moment, my sister says, your intrusive thoughts won. And it did. I'm like, what do you mean? What would I do with $700 million? I would not be working here. And no one else would either. Like, let's be so for real. Yeah. I think that's also part of like my decisions on how I move throughout this career as well, because I think in some places, Chelsea didn't work. Making yourself smaller to fit into a box is what no one should ever do. And I think that's also what played into my decision to move on and come here to Miami because my bosses at the time loved everything that I was. Yeah. Loved everything, thought it was funny. And they were like, okay, so you've had a lot of options. Why have you not accepted any of these offers? I said, I'm writing, waiting for the right thing. And that was the one thing for my news director that she loved. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you are our right thing. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, damn, I, I kind of feel that way too. So who knows what the future will hold, but I would love to be my authentic self. I would love to show up and be me without makeup on sometimes. Good God. Like the painting of the face pisses me off. Sometimes <laughs> I would love to wear a bun, you know, of my real hair or wear my Afro my natural like whatever or if I want to put a bust down like 22 inch wig on I want to do that too (laughs) you know how are they with that how are they with in Miami with just you doing your you as far as like how you look and how you dress and your hair and all that are they like they adore my look yeah adore it and I'm like oh shook I literally made sure before I even decided to wear a braid that I went to every boss I went to promotions I went to my news director she was like oh I don't care I love it. Whatever you want to do. I said, what? I almost yeah. like passed out on the floor because I think that's such a big thing. Like you have to be consistent in this field. It's like black women are not consistent with our hair. We do protective right. styles. Sometimes we want to wear our real hair. Sometimes we want to add a piece. That is part of our identity. Right. But we have to silence it a lot to be digestible for the public. Can't stand it. But my station has been really good with that. 
my clothes. Like some of the things I think I wear here are like a little bit risky. And I say risky because I wore this like, um, like it's like a sheer top and it was like all these patterns and leather pants. And I was like, man, I feel so good in myself right now. Yeah. And it was such a hit. People love the outfit, my bosses. And so did the viewers. I got off the desk and the people were like, oh my God, we got so many phone calls about your outfit. What? Like some places that would be like, no, that's not our brand. And I think it's it's also the market too. Like in Miami, you can have more fun with your outfit and your fashion. But I also like going back to, you know, your hair and things like in order for people to understand that it's normal, it needs to be normalized by people like you, like changing your hair when you feel like it, like, because that's normal for you, even though other people are just uneducated in that yeah. area, but it takes like you conforming is not helping the cause, you know? You're so 100% right. Yeah. And that I think comes with experience and really just owning who you are because it's scary. Like, especially when you're so new into the business where you're like, uh, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want opportunities to not come to me or be stopped because I'm not aligning with what they want. But mm-hmm. I think when you pick a job, that is also very important. Do your ask those questions on an interview. How do you feel about me changing my hair? How do you feel about braids? How do you feel about natural hair? Because that's all part of me. And what I do like about my company, CBS, is that they are so accepting now of different. You know, there was a big like scandal a couple of years ago with, you know, the bosses um, where they were found guilty of things that aren't so great. And now there's this really big focus on culture and you showing up as your authentic self. They want to see it in the reporting. They want to see it in your look and they're embracing it. And that's been my experience. And that's how I feel. And I feel so grateful for that because I mean, this is now my second set of braids in a in several months. And I don't think that I could have ever done that in Providence or my market before. Mm-hmm. So I'm super grateful about that. And my only advice is to lean in to whoever you are, white, yeah. black, any other race, seriously. Yeah. Well, and like you said about, you know, embracing who you are, I think you especially see this on social media, like Instagram used to be so, and still is to an extent, but like, so, you know, put together and like perfect. And mm-hmm. now I feel like social media is branching into like the realness of it all. And people want to see real And I think to an extent that needs to transition into TV, like you're saying, there is still a place for, you know, to be very like buttoned up in terms of like professionalism, right? Meaning like the selfie video versus an actual tease or something like there's a certain standard of like professionalism for regular news or traditional news that people want to see. But then I think there has to be the ability to express yourself and show your personality and be real. And even just in terms of like reacting to a, a difficult story or something to be able to see your emotion, you know, things like that are important rather than just thinking that you're so rigid and like have no feelings. Yeah. I remember when the Buffalo mass shooting happened, I was in Providence and that was a once I was on air and I think I started to cry. You did. I remember. And I was like, yo, I've never been affected in that way in our field. We're not supposed to be showing emotion like that, but I think obviously we've come off of a several years where it was just a lot going on between like protests and the killing of unarmed black men. And then you have this mass shooting of black people. And now with everything that's going on with Israel and Hamas, my God, it's just like a lot lot of stuff. And a lot of people are affected in different ways. And we're seeing that now. What's interesting is how some people are allowed to be and feel in these moments Whereas in, in other moments, that's not acceptable. So anyways, I embrace it all. I mean, crying was a bit much, but like, that's how I felt in the moment. Yeah. It just is what it is. We're all human. And you know, like it's, it's hard doing this job and being yeah. like in the middle of the road. It doesn't necessarily have to be that one moment. It's like a compounding thing when you're doing this every single day and you're talking about these horrible things like over and over, you know? It, it can weigh on you and then it can, you can hit a breaking point and it could be just that one thing that kind of sent you over the edge, yeah. um, in that moment. And it might've been a, a day of like vulnerability 
for you too. Like you just might've been more susceptible to it that day. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why that was the breaking point. But like, we're human at the end of the day. We can't control that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it gets really heavy in our field as we know. What shaped you talking about knowing your worth and having, you know, faith and all of that. What shaped you to be that way as a human, an individual? Oh, I guess that has to go to my parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, my parents are both successful in their own right. And I think I'm the best and worst parts of them, <laughs> which is why sometimes like when I'm like going off and like complaining about something, they're sitting there and like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I'm their reflection. But I think sometimes watching them get mulled over for maybe growth opportunities or sacrificing for the sake of like they have mouths to feed or whatever you know shows me that I just can and should go hard for everything that I deserve and everything that I want and I don't have to settle my mom tells me that all the time and sometimes we get into it because I was like mom you were married and pregnant at 24 like where is my life going I'm 28 (laughs) yeah she's like yo chill out um (laughs) no stress No, literally relax because I think for her, like I'm living something that she probably wishes that she could have done, you know, wait a bit longer, find herself, go harder in the career and advance faster than being a mom right Mm -hmm. away. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that and her encouragement to pursue and chase my dreams and not settling for anything that isn't that is definitely what keeps me going. And it's funny because when I decided not to stay in Providence, they were shook. They're like, what do you mean? Yes. They were like, what do you mean? You're not going to take this job. It's like more money. It's a main anchor job. And I was like, because I'm worth more and they didn't get it. And then when I was turning down all these jobs, they were like, you're freaking insane. What are you doing? And I said, watch me. I'm going to make this amount of money doing this. And that'll be that. And when I did, and I, I was like, I told you, and they were like, you did. So I think it's also just me too. It's like that inner passion and ambition and drive that I have myself. And I was like, I just know. And I'm trusting that God, the relationship that they've cultivated, you know, for me to have a faith and believe in something also drives me to like, just go after what I want. No. Do you have daily practices? Cause I know you always, you always share the like affirmations and uh, law of attraction stuff on social media. So do you have like a daily practice that keeps you kind of centered in that and focused on your faith and trust? That's so funny because the law of attraction thing became a thing because people kept saying they were looking for them. And I said, Oh, okay. Got like I post. Yeah, yeah. really. It's not, not even for me anymore. At first it was like, Oh my God, I relate. I feel this, but now it's like, I know people are looking for it. So I'm posting it. Even if I don't necessarily agree with it in that moment or that day. Something that I've started to do was do the five minute journal. Okay. Yeah. Love that. I, yeah. Like I'm not a journaler. I'm a, I get cramps in my hand, <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I need to start the day with gratitude and end it with gratitude. And I think that changes your mindset sometimes where it's like, yeah, things maybe didn't go your way, but like there are still tangible things you can see and feel that went right today. And I think on the hard days doing it even still is also powerful because it's like, it's part of like discipline and it goes back into me showing up for working out. It's like, there are some days I do not want to do it, but I know that this is one hour for Chelsea. That's really my daily practices. And it's like a challenge, something that I have to like actively work at to do every day to show up for myself as one of my friends, Courtney says all the time, because it's just not easy. And most days you don't feel like it. So I'm also working to nurture my relationship with God too in this season, because I've realized when I was making my new year's resolutions for this year, I went back and read all of the things that I've journaled over the last several years. And some of my goals are the same. And some of them I've reached a lot of them I've reached, which is so great to see, but it's like, I really need to just be disciplined and consistent in all things. So I don't do much to be honest when it, when it comes to daily practices, but adding gratitude into it was a big one. Do you have like a North star motto that you go back to that kind of guides you throughout your career in life? Uh, no, I feel like it changes all the time. And sometimes I feel uncool because I don't have like one of those things that I hold on to, but it really just depends on the day. Like what you want, once you let it go, you can start over 
and over and over again. So it really just depends on the day. Yeah. Because sometimes I just need to sit in my emotions. That's another thing I've learned to do. It's just like, if I'm not feeling it, lean into it, whatever. It's fine. It's okay. But tomorrow we're not doing that. Thank you so much for being on this uh, podcast. I I loved talking to you because I feel like we could talk about career, but we could also talk about like the deeper underneath stuff. And I love your perspective. And you're like a living proof of everything works out for you. You know, it really does. You just have to like, I'm working on this this year is leaning into like whatever my intuition tells me Mm -hmm. because it's really not wrong. So I feel like everybody should do that as well. Like I've seen it tangibly in the last month and I'm like, yo, I'm just leaning into whatever the heck I want to do. Yeah. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you loved it as much as I do. Chelsea's amazing. If you want to follow Chelsea, I will put her socials in the description of this episode. Also, make sure to follow Casey's Angels on social media and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week. <laughs>